From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone. In this holiday episode, we're crowdsourcing some opinions about buying games from Kickstarter. In the dice roll, we reveal what games we hope are under our Christmas tree, and we've got a surprise double escape room report, and of course, our Friday favorites. So before we get started today, um, I do want to mention a couple things. We are going to be doing a little retooling for the new year. So not so much in this episode, but when you come back in January to listen to us, you're going to notice a couple changes with the podcast. So don't be alarmed. We're just, you know, taking stock of what we do and wanting to keep things fresh and new. So we'll be, you know, changing up things a little bit. New theme song, new focus on different kind of like goals that we want to yeah we'll be segmenting the episodes a little bit differently but it's still us Mm -hmm. still our fun selves still our kookiness (laughs) you say kookiness so seriously (laughs) Mm, yes they came down with a sense of kookiness (laughs) uh prescribed three cc's of fun so of course right now it is the holiday season Mm -hmm. so there's going to be a lot of board game purchasing going on right now right and the most common way nowadays to purchase board games is from Kickstarter. So we thought it was due time to talk a little bit about why Kickstarting is such a big thing for board games and the ins and outs of um, dealing with Kickstarter. Right. When we say that this is a popular way to um, bring about board games, mm-hmm. um, it that is not an, uh, um, under, we're not underselling that. Um, in 2018, board games made $200 million on Kickstarter. Yeah. And that was 2018. And they say that it just, that, that number, um, keeps increasing. In Mm -hmm. fact, I guess it used to be video games used to be a big thing on Kickstarter, trying to get video games. And they said video games are starting to decline, but board games are on the rise. Mm -hmm. And the, and it's so popular now that major, um, board game manufacturers are now just using Kickstarter to fund their games instead of just putting something out on a shelf to start with. I don't like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, but, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but why do you think, I mean, why do you think Kickstarter is becoming such a popular place in order to put out your games? Well, I think that the market is saturated with, you know, only a half dozen companies Mm -hmm. that are making the board games. And if you really look at them, they're all kind of similar, you know? Yeah. Like, how many versions of Monopoly have you seen? Exactly. With, like, The Simpsons, Firefly, Battlestar Galactica, Mm. whatever, whatever, you know? And, like, or Clue, you know, Harry Potter Clue, Mickey's Clue, you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So, like, very few fresh ideas were coming to the table. And, like, the major wave of, like, fresh ideas that did come were from the European game kind of like invading us you know with like Catan and all that and then people were like oh so other people besides Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley have ideas for board games Uh you know and I mean all it takes is for that one guy or girl to like have a really cool unique idea to like spark a new movement but Mm -hmm. like if you don't have the funds for it yeah it doesn't happen like Look at what happened with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. That was those. That was two guys joking around who like to draw comic books. One day they were like, "Oh, what if I draw turtles that can do karate?" You mm-hmm. know, and then like that was an independent movement that just did manage to pick up steam because they were lucky enough to get like a couple board meetings and like sell the idea. Uh-huh. But like if they couldn't get into the boardroom, 
they'd have nowhere yeah. to go. But, like, because they were able to also, like, sell some of the comic books in local shops and people like, yes, this is amazing. I want more of this. That gave them enough, like, momentum to get going. Uh-huh. Yeah. And same thing here. You know, if if I myself, Greg, want to make a board game, it'd be very hard for me to go and actually pitch it to a company. Mm-hmm. Because they rarely ever take outside ideas. Yeah. You know? And they have very strict forms about how it works and they probably take away control of the product afterwards exactly you know? yeah so like it's it's kind of like everybody wants to be orson wells with citizen kane with their board mm-hmm. game i'm sure just like how every director in a movie wants to like have full control over their vision but like if you do go with the companies then they're going to put their like limitations and guidelines upon it and then it might become something else that it wasn't originally intended to be uh-huh so why um and of course you know like we said there's been a lot of um larger companies now getting into using Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. um, which I know personally, I'm not a huge fan of. I I mean, most of these companies, they don't need Kickstarter in order to get their games off the ground. Um, I kind of wish they would leave Kickstarter to more of the independent companies and Mm -hmm. the small companies that need it, you know? Um, And it seems like you guys agree as well, because I um, put out on both um, our Instagram and Twitter, that question, I said, um, does it bother you when big board game companies use Kickstarter to fund their games? Um, on Instagram, 73% of you said yes, and only 27% of you said no. And on Twitter, 100% of you said yes, that it does bother you yeah. when um, large companies. And when we say that, I know that may seem like what, you know, you're probably scratching your head going, what large board game companies are there? Um, but, you know, for example, and I, I helped kickstart it, but Steve Jackson Games, and nothing against Steve Jackson's games, but um, they have actually used Kickstarter to fund um, versions of Munchkin. Munchkin is a hugely popular game that right. sells you know millions and millions of copies. They have millions and millions of different versions. Uh, Steve Jackson Games has licensing with all sorts of uh, companies that are allowing them to make games um, with their intellectual property, such as Disney and exactly. Marvel. And so it's just like Steve Jackson does not need to use Kickstarter to fund his games. First of all, he knows anything he makes is going to sell. Right. And then also, you know, they don't need that startup capital, right? But, you know, I helped kickstart um, a version of the Steampunk Munchkin mm-hmm. for, um, it's called Girl Genius, I believe. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it was a thing that they, they use Kickstarter to fund that. But let me speak on behalf of the 29% who said no. Mm-hmm. Steve Jackson also with Munchkin made a couple of versions early on that flopped that did not True. do anything. Like he had a spies one and I think he had a Kung Fu one mm-hmm. because they were experimenting around and I'm sure they probably play tested that with groups who were like, yes, this is cool. I like it cause I like Kung Fu movies. But then they went up to the main audiences and it didn't sell because apparently you know, Kung Fu is not as popular of a genre mm-hmm. as fantasy and sci-fi are. You yeah. Know? So the idea of going to Kickstarter versus having a small group, like a test group to see if you like something or not, people will speak more honestly with their wallets than they True. will with a survey of mm-hmm. like check box one for yes, box two for no. Uh-huh. Because you also might have the kind of psychological pressure of like, well, I'm, you know, I want to be nice and I want to say nice things about this guy who's sitting here in front of me, you know, asking me these questions about this thing. But meanwhile, it's, okay, are you willing to get out $5 and say, yes, you like to play this? 
Yeah. You know, that's, you know. Yeah, well, and like I mean. they say, money talks. You, you, can't, you can't completely blame them because basically what this allows these companies to do is they get to, once you, not only do they get to kind of put something out for public opinion and mm -hmm. see if people are actually willing to buy it, but they also, even though they know they already have the proofs, the concepts, they know exactly how much it costs to make, they, they yeah. have the ability, they can start production tomorrow on this game. Oh, yeah. But what this allows them to do is they don't have to put up the money to fund all of the product in the beginning. Mm -hmm. They are essentially cutting that part out. So you are buying it before it's even been made. So right. they have all that money. They don't have to risk and put down money ahead of time to make the product. And if you're you know, wanting to evolve with the economy, with the business, mm -hmm. why not do a smart move like that? You know, yeah. why, why would they be excluded from taking advantage of a resource that everyone else can? Yeah. Like, and like, don't get me wrong. I personally don't like it when mm -hmm. big companies do it as well. But at the same time, I do have to, you know, I understand voice why the they do it. I have to voice the opinion in terms of fairness of mm -hmm. like, they have every right to. So I don't see why not. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I understand why they do it. It's, it's, I kind of would rather put my money behind small companies, mm -hmm. but I understand why they do it. Um, because it, it's, you know, a great way for them to still sell their product without having to put capital down ahead yeah. of time. I say it's fair as long as we don't start separating it into like, named companies kickstarting versus independent kickstarting because then people will automatically I, it needs to be an even shuffle of the deck mm -hmm. where they're just in there with everybody else yeah um so you know like i said this is a very popular way of um purchasing board games and things mm -hmm. like that um i know i've kickstarted a couple i've gotten a couple i've you know, also have a couple still waiting. Right. Um, how about yourself? Have you kickstarted any board games? Not board games. Mm -hmm. uh, the things I've kickstarted have been more supplemental things. Mm -hmm. Like I did kickstart this program that helps track um, stats for RPGs, mm -hmm. like D&D, &D, that you can like download onto your phone. And I have that because, yeah. you know, they went through and it got done, uh -huh. which is really useful, you know. Yeah. Um, and also it even has like a digital dice roller on it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm ever like, oh, I don't have any dice. Oh, I have it on my phone, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was useful. Yeah. Um, so I, what do you think are some of the things that make you kind of, when you see a Kickstarter, what is it that kind of excites you about a Kickstarter? I mean... You definitely want to get something that's kind of new and unique, you know, mm -hmm. because like I said, it's about the opportunity to have new individuals speaking up and sharing their ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, you definitely, I mean, I hate to say it, but like whenever I'm going around Kickstarter, I'm looking for something that's more like close to what the finished product is going to look like. Okay. I want to know mm -hmm. like, okay, this is how it's going to look because for me, the look of a game is very important. Yeah, um, I think, you know, one of the things that I always look for when I'm looking at the Kickstarter is, you know, do they have like a nice video mm -hmm. that shows a playthrough that right. shows that they, you know, have really thought about this and put some, you know, if not a lot of money, a lot of work behind mm -hmm. selling their game. Um, I want to see, you know, a lot of pictures of the components. You know, yeah. I want to know that there is an actual game there and a, something physical that I am funding, not just, oh, a pie-in-the-sky idea. Right. And right? that's the thing. Whenever you see these Kickstarter pages, they're essentially like the back of the box for most board games, mm -hmm. where it's like it should give you a description of what the game's about, what the goal is, how many players it can go it up to. It needs to describe how, how it plays. How it plays. If it has an actual playthrough video, that's even better. But the thing about this and the fact that it's online is that, yeah, it can have an actual video of mm -hmm. people explaining things to you. Showing how it's played or how it functions, yeah. you know, 
And that's even better because now I can get a full understanding of how this looks because we've talked about it many times before. Sometimes when you look at a game and it's like all these little pieces, you're like, oh God, that's, no, that's way yeah. too much. But some games, even though it looks like it's too much, really isn't once you've been sat down and like or explained what the core mechanics are. Yeah, like I know just recently we were playing, I believe it's Dinosaur Island. Mm -hmm. And when I first saw our friend unbox it, I was like, oh God, no, this sounds way too complicated. It looks way too complicated. And it really wasn't. And once we played it, it was like, oh, this this isn't that bad. Yeah, because it had a backbone structure to latch onto Mm -hmm. so that you can segment things out into different phases. And that makes it so much easier. Yeah. And so with these videos it can help to have that the the designer or play tester mm-hmm. or whoever like show you like no 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 trust me, it's it's way easier than you think that's why i love things like those videos like how to play videos online too uh-huh. oftentimes now before i go to buy any game that's on the shelf i will try to find a how to play video first and be like okay really like if you can't explain this to me in 10 minutes yeah how am i going to explain it to my friends in half an hour uh-huh yeah and sometimes something that looks really cool then once you actually see it played or described you're like mm. you know i've definitely seen some really snazzy looking kickstarters that show this really pretty game with lots of miniatures and things and i'm like ooh, that looks really cool and then i watched the video and was like oh that sounds really finicky and confusing and i don't think it would get any play at our house some game types even though they're perfectly well and good just aren't your style of play Mm -hmm. we have games that are not our style of play that we don't like and even if a kickstarter looks great and hits all the right boxes if it's not your cup of tea you you don't want to pay for it Uh uh-huh um, you know, and why do you think that Kickstarters are so not just popular for um, the companies in order to use Kickstarter, but why is it popular for like us consumers for purchasing games? I think first of all, uh, in some instances, it's it's a psychological thing mm-hmm. of because they give you the option to do just a dollar or two dollars. True, but you don't usually get the product. Then. No, you don't get the product, but like. Many people are like, oh, I can give a dollar towards this. I like that idea. You know, like throwing away a dollar, that's the same as like, oh, I dropped a quarter on the sidewalk. Who cares? Uh I'm going to keep walking. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we should say too, um, although you'd probably have to wait a lot longer, a lot of times things that were kickstarted, you can still buy even if you don't kickstart Mm -hmm. it. Like it will be available in retail or it will be available, um, you know, through their website at, at a later date. Plus, also with Kickstarter, you can see how many other people have supported this product. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of get a sense of community. Like, okay, I'm not the only one who thinks this is a cool idea. Uh Like, you know, 1,200 people have also said yes to this thing. Plus, I think it also is a psychological thing for the incentives of like, oh, but if I'm willing to pay for the whole game, I get the whole game plus this other thing. As opposed to if I wait for it to maybe come to Target or some Uh of the shelves, then I just get the basic game. So you feel like you're getting more for your money. And then if you even go higher, then you can get exclusive stuff that you yeah, wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's definitely, especially in, I'm sure in a lot of different hobbies, but definitely in board gaming, there's this idea of being kind of part of the in crowd and having that new hot game, right? Yeah. And we've seen it so many times, especially if you um, are like really into social media with board games, like mm-hmm. Instagram and things like that. There's constantly these waves of the hot new game. Last year, it was a game called Whistle Stop. Everybody was talking about Whistle Stop. 
They all had pictures on their Instagrams of Whistle Stop. Every board game podcast was demoing Whistle Stop. Right. This year, it was Wingspan. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you looked on Instagram, Wingspan, Wingspan, Wingspan. We It was one of the hottest demos at Dice, uh, Dice Tower yep. Con that we went to. Um, it was the um, game that everyone was talking about on podcasts. Um, so it's definitely, there's this idea of being in the crowd and having that new hot game first, yeah. right? Um, it's also the idea of I'm on the ground floor of something that could be really big. Well, like I, mean, yeah, I helped, it's... you know, I helped put this thing out and I'm yeah. going to get it before anyone else. Also, sometimes with Kickstarter, you have a little bit of influence over the final design and product. You know, yeah. they'll ask some of the backers questions like, hey, do you like this? Do we want this? Mm-hmm. Also, depending on how many backers there are, sometimes you unlock special extra things. Which like is, your name in the thanks menu yeah, in the, or, uh, on the board. Or yeah. other, you know, additional products that they weren't going to sell otherwise. Yeah. Um, or that they, you know, because like this, it's kind of like a tier thing. So this next thing, it costs so much more to produce so we're not going to do it unless we are able to sell this many and then it becomes worthwhile for us to make it like hey listen we can do cardboard cutouts so we can do full 3d plastic printed models which do you want you know yeah i mean everybody wants that cool new thing before everybody else Right. right um also you know the the like definitely what we were talking about the stretch goals i know for myself that's something that can be really big is you know you kickstart something and you know i kind of like to not be like one of the first backers Mm -hmm. i like to kind of swoop in at the end once i see something like this is going to be successful like i know it's going to go forward so me backing it now isn't really risky because it's it's already funded or it's going to be funded Right. right Um, and also like, if you look at it, you'll say, okay, well I'm going to fund this and look at all these bonuses that have already been unlocked that I'm going to get by funding it. Because a lot of times what it will do is they'll have extra stuff and say, they'll be like, okay, once we reach, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, we're going to unlock this. Or once we've reached this many backers, we're going to unlock this and you just, you automatically get it. Yeah. Um, sometimes it depends what tier usually you, you buy into. And it depends if it's offered for that particular product, not even. But well, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, it, it depends on what tier you, you um, buy into, whether or not you actually get it. Sometimes, you know, the, the tiers usually will specifically say and all stretch goals or, you know, not including stretch goals and things like that. Um, so a lot of people, you know, they do get addicted to that idea of, oh, I'm going to get this extra piece that no one else is going to get when this does go to retail, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this is something that only I'm going to get. You know, in order to talk about kind of just how popular um, these are, you know, there's this one that I'm looking at right now called um, Too Many Bones Splice and Dice. This game was funded in 86 seconds. What? 86 seconds this game was fully funded. They're, they must have announced it on like Twitter or something ahead of time. Oh yeah, usually I mean there's a whole kind of campaign that usually goes into these things, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, usually they are specifically targeting audiences trying to get them interested in the game before it's even up on Kickstarter. Um, but they their original goal was $50,000 and they um, ended up getting over a million dollars. And Louise. like we said, they were fully funded in 86 seconds. They hit that $50,000 goal. Um, this isn't a game that I necessarily would want, I don't think. There's nothing about this game that's really calling out to me. I mean, I looked through it. Mm-hmm. It seems really cool and interesting. And considering, like, I don't, I've don't, i never played Too Many Bones. Mm-hmm. But I know of it, right? Uh-huh. 
So I don't know all the core mechanics or the lore behind it, but I get like the basic premise of the fantasy premise and with a kind of a darker twist, right? Uh-huh. And then based upon the mechanics I'm seeing for this uh, splice and dice, it looks like you can kind of make your own monsters. And that's a cool idea. I really do like that, you know? So I definitely get why this was snatched up and funded so quickly, mm-hmm. you know? Um, another one that did really well um, on kickstarter is this um battletech clan invasion um this one it took um a whole seven minutes for it to be fully funded. what's wrong with you guys <laughs> this one their goal was only um thirty thousand dollars and they made 2.5 million dollars wow <laughs> yeah but you know the the giant fighting robot thing uh-huh, the next yeah suit. Because this is part of the mech suit um, genre. Yeah, and it's and kind of a it's a paper and pen role and play with miniatures. But like that's a popular genre, and I totally get why. Plus, yeah. also with this one, as you were kind of saying, with the fear of missing out, this one, all the different tiers that you mm-hmm. get into, gives you unique mechs that you won't get otherwise. Yes. And so, not only is that a cool thing to have. But I'm sure those have some kind of neat advantage mm-hmm. to them. So that way, if you go play against other people, you're like, you know, oh, I've got my alpha unit. What do you have? I've got the exterminator. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, sometimes um, one of the things that you'll, when we talk about set, kind of those things that you're not going to get elseways, mm-hmm. not just like extra add-ons, but things like, you know, for instance, one of our friends, um, he has the Kickstarter version of that game we were talking about earlier, um, Dino Island. Right. And... Some of the components that would be maybe like cardboard are actual coins and printed things mm-hmm. instead of cardboard. You know, the retail version, it's going to be cardboard. But if you have the Kickstarter version, you actually get the nicer pieces and things yeah, like that. So that's, yeah. that's something that's more common to, with Kickstarters that mm-hmm. you might get when we're talking about those is trial by trolley. <laughs> Despite the fact that's from also another kind of big it company. Is. Uh, that's uh, from Cyanide and Happiness and Skybound yeah. Games. Yeah. Um, and this is, it's essentially the um, philosophical uh, trolley conundrum, right? Yeah. Do, do you, you know, the trolley's going down a path, it splits on one side, you're going to kill a bunch of puppies. On the other side, you're going to kill a bunch of kittens. What do you do? Right. Um, and so it's, it's this kind of little card game that um, is talking about this. I very, very closely came to um, backing this as well, mainly because I really wanted the little trolley car <laughs> uh, miniature, which was a Kickstarter exclusive. But when I saw that you, in order to get that, you had to buy the $65 version, I was like, uh, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to have some self-control here and not do that just yeah. for the miniature. Um, but it was super cute. So I, I came close to getting it. Um, it was the price that kind of stopped, <laughs> stopped you. you. But, you know, this one I actually heard about through seeing a YouTube video that they had gotten some people together to play it. Um, in order to show. But that show. means that it's already done. True. But, you know, but I mean, even even if it's, you know, it, all of these games should be done, really. Yeah. You know, they should have high quality demo copies before they ever go out to Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It can't be, oh, here's a picture of a piece of paper where I've drawn it. Like, it can't be that. Yeah. Um, so even if they, they may only have a couple high, high quality demo copies in order to do play testing and do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, like, 
having a bunch of people get together and play it and videotape it and show these people having fun and show how they're playing it. Um, I think that is a, something that goes a long way in helping you kind of make that decision on whether or not you're going to back the game. Yeah, I agree. Some kind of there's some new technology coming out too that Kickstarter is helping. Um, we have one that's from um, a company called The Last Game Board, and this is their kind of first version Game Board One. And it is essentially a digital game board so that you essentially can get rid of all your box games and have everything in one sort of tabletop screen. I love that. Plus also it has the ability to put figurines like miniatures that you have mm -hmm. onto the game board so you can do things like D&D. You don't have to draw a map with dry erase markers and a uh -huh. pad, you know, you can just have it be illustrated there. And it even keeps track of light sources. That's one thing I find amazing is that, like, you can't see that because your character can't see that, mm -hmm. you know? It's a big issue about dealing with metagaming, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it has a sense screen so it can sense your pieces and things like that. Um, it does only have a four-hour battery life, which... So, plug mm -hmm. it in. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of... It is showing you kind of, like, this is a very early version of something, right? Right. But it's showing you kind of this future idea of where kind of board games are going and it's you know and it's once, kind of like, like you said this is the ground floor of yes. this cool new step in board gaming technology mm -hmm. and i would totally be down for like being one of the first ones to have this mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is it's you know it is um quite expensive um in order to actually get the game board you know they have obviously um you know the kind of easy tiers as like a dollar or something like that um, they have a pre-discount, uh, mm -hmm. pre-order discount category where essentially you're paying uh, $40 to be on the list of people who will be able to order this after the Kickstarter is done and they've fulfilled the Kickstarter. Um, but it's going to cost you about $300 to actually get one of these. But look at this. Okay, so $300 mm -hmm. gets you 10 programmable bases, your name on the website, the board, and you get fourth wave shipping. Go down one. And then now, okay, so... 500 well, $450. So $100 more, $150 more gets you third wave shipping. So if you're willing to pay $150 more, you'll get a certain number between 501 to 750 So you'll be <laughs> in the top 750 people yeah. to get the thing, and then you can claim that. Yeah, and also, you know, one of the downsides of something like this is in order for it to work and to provide you those games you have to have essentially a subscription mm -hmm. to a game service um and so the the bottom tier sort of to in order to actually get you in this new product um only gives you three months of that subscription right. i mean it's you know once again it's a great idea and everything else the only reason i wouldn't back this personally is obviously the cost is kind of high but also this is first generation and i'm kind of the type of person who i don't always like to put my money behind um something brand new i want to see it i want the kinks to be worked out i want to see it improve i right. want you know those kind of things um you know i never buy the newest phone for the same reason i want to see what's wrong with it first exactly. um so that's kind of what would hold me back from this i think it's really cool um, but it's not something that I would kickstart or run right out and buy right away. Um, and then kind of increasing from there, 
Um, this one is called Tilt 5, and it's the same kind of idea of um, a video screen tabletop, but this one brings holographic images into the play. Yeah. So it's more 3D where you wear glasses and you can kind of see things. In and 3D. you have a little remote control that you can use to manipulate and interact with, uh-huh. the, with the images, which is neat. This one also uh, met its goal with uh, $1.7 million. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of this one? I think it's a neat idea, but I think it's a little too gimmicky. Plus, Mm -hmm. the controllers, I'm worried about how easy will it be to get replacements or to get new ones. Yeah. Once again, this feels very like ground floor technology, whereas Mm -hmm. I want to wait till it's really good. You know, it's kind of like VR, right? right? We have to wait until early VR was pretty ugly. This is a neat toy. Mm -hmm. I remember when the PlayStation 3 first came out with the PlayStation Eye. It had like a little like digital pet monkey that you could have that you can interact with but like it'll like look like it's on the table in front of you you can move your hands uh-huh. and it'll interact with your hands you know but like it was a gimmicky thing that like kind of did two or three functions but like nothing more than that and people were like oh okay whatever i'm just gonna go put this down and go play with my regular playstation 3 games yeah you know mm-hmm. so i once again yeah i agree with you i would wait until the second or third generation to see like does it did it take root enough yeah. But there's enough there to keep me interested. Yeah, the other thing I worry about with those kind of things too is, you know, are there going to be enough games released for it? You know, mm-hmm. what if it what if after three months it it kind of tanks and they no longer make anything for it? Right. Now you've paid, you know, five hundred something dollars for something that, you know, you can maybe play one game that's no longer supported. So as technology grows, it start stops working you know things like that are things that i worry about when i'm looking at these kind of games exactly um you know maybe i'm not i'm not as much of a risk taker and i don't have endless supplies of money so that makes it hard sometimes um you know there are definitely downsides to backing something on kickstarter um you know one of the things that you always have to be aware of when you are backing something on kickstarter is you may not see this product for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, there's um, a, it's called Legend of Sleepy Hollow that I backed, um, I think, last year. Or not last year, but... Uh, well, yeah, actually last year. I believe it was around holiday time last year yeah. that I backed it. Um, and that's one of the ones that, you know, they had somebody who wasn't working out and um, they had to let them go, but that put the game behind schedule. Um, you know, there's also, you know, I really lucked out one of my very first ever Kickstarters that I backed. It was kind of a trial by fire in a way Mm -hmm. for me. I feel like, um, it was something that I wanted for you for your birthday. And it was kind of only afterwards that I kind of realized, oh, this isn't something I'm going to see anytime soon. Um, thankfully it just got here like days before your birthday what was it um it was that little chest that breaks up into a dice tower my dice tower chest yeah um and you know that was another kind of once again not only was i lucky that it just happened to get here before your birthday Mm -hmm. um but also the company who made it had a lot of problems they you know they kind of far exceeded what they thought in the kickstarter Mm -hmm. um selling way more than they planned to and the guy who was making them, he really got caught up in the, oh my gosh, I have to now fulfill all these orders. And right. like, this is hard work and this is taking a long time and it's costing more than I thought. And I can't get certain things that I thought I was going to be able to get. And he ended up, you know, not being able, I think, to, um, to successfully get the product to a lot of people. And he ended up, was able to, thankfully, 
um, essentially sell out to a retail company. Mm-hmm. And they, I think, then took over and were going to fulfill the orders and continue selling it. Essentially, he sold his company to someone else because he just he couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, which was unfortunate because it was a really cool product. And we were lucky that we ended up being kind of one of the early people who got one. Yeah. But we could have easily been some of the people who didn't get them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just something um, to kind of think about that definitely happens it's not always you know easy peasy you don't always get your product right away um we've also you know been able to buy some kickstarter things afterwards that was one of the benefits of like when we went to um um, dice tower west um we ended up we um we got a game called filibuster that had already been successfully Mm -hmm. um kickstarted and they were allowing people to buy things there were some games there that we got to demo that were just going out to kickstarter they Mm -hmm. hadn't gone out um so we backed one game um called dinos unassembled i believe it was one of those um that we saw ahead of time i know i'm really eager to go back this year because one of the games that i fell in love with while we were there um the kickstarter is already over they're just now starting to ship them Mm -hmm. um was called rival restaurants oh Um, yeah and that looked like a whole lot of fun and i know they're gonna be back this year and i've already asked them hey are you gonna be perchance selling them this year and Mm -hmm. they said yes so i'm hoping that i'll be able to get a copy this year because that, that looked like a really fun game um you know i kind of asked out on um social media once again if there were any kind of kickstarter issues that people had run into things that they wish they had known um one person did say that one of the things that they um had a problem with is they moved several times in the time that it took for a kickstarter ooh, ooh. and you know there are ways to get your address changed and stuff but that's definitely Not kind easily. of challenging yeah. um and you know this person in particular said that um, one of the games that they backed, they they backed the Mega Man board game. It was the first one they ever backed, moved two times before it arrived, and then the game wasn't very good. <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of one of the, you know, bad things is that you, you, you know, you're putting money chance, behind, yeah. you're putting money behind kind of a conceptual game and things like that. You know, you may um, not end up liking the product. It's not always true, but it does happen. Um, A couple things to kind of look out for when you are kickstarting a game. One, you know, a good rule of thumb is if you are a little bit nervous about backing um, somebody's idea, um, maybe look for a company that has done successful Kickstarters in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like, you know, like I just said, that one thing the, the person got in over their head and wasn't able to fulfill um, his successful Kickstarter command. Right. His, his, you know, campaign was successful, but that didn't mean he had the manpower then to actually make it. Um, so that's something to think about, you know, is a company already, um, they've been through this before, they know what they're doing, they're going to be able to deliver. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure that you're investing in a, an actual game or an actual product not just a concept. Um, you know, so when we say look for videos, look for the artwork, look for pictures of the actual thing. Know that what you're investing in is not just someone who is really good at graphic design and making something that it just looks like they have something, that they exactly. actually have Let's something. Let's see that you actually have a product that you can show me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get too caught up in the stretch goals and things like that. Also, You know, um, I've heard a lot of people who say, oh, well, sometimes, you know, the stretch goals will include an expansion. 
If a game is just now coming out, first time ever, and it already has a planned expansion, there's a good chance that that expansion should have just been part of the initial game. And they decided to break it up. And they just decided to break it up to be, you know, get more money or whatever. Um, So, you know, watch out for that. That could mean that the base set isn't that great. Um, It could mean the base set is a little broken and maybe doesn't work as well without the expansion. You should never have to buy an expansion for a base game to be good. Mm -hmm. Like that, regardless, Kickstarter, anything, retail, just watch out for that. Um, You know, look for value. That's another thing that, you know, one of the benefits of Kickstarter. um, I know I've definitely had that. A game that I backed is something called Dungeons and Doggies. I love that. And it's these really cool D&D for dogs. It comes with a book that we were able to print out. um, And then these really high-tailed dog miniatures Mm -hmm. that are absolutely adorable. In fact, I'm currently painting them now. So if you go on our Instagram, you might see um, some of the images of me working on them. But um, one of the benefits of that, and I didn't even know at the time, I just thought they were adorable and had to have them. Um, (laughs) So they do sell them retail now. But if you got the Kickstarter, you got the full set of dogs. And I want to say it was like $30 or something like that. That's all I spent. Um, If you do retail, it's going to cost you that same amount. But you're only going to get half the dogs. They actually have a part one and a part two. So each Uh of those is going to cost you, say, $30. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas I spent the same amount and got all of them. And I got, you know, an exclusive extra one. Um, But, you know, going back to my point, too, is does a company have a successful kickstarters in the past this same company then came out with cats and catacombs which is the same idea but for cats cats. and And literally immediately as soon as i heard they were coming out with that i backed that project as soon as it came out and that was another one that they got funded within like 30 minutes or something yeah it was ridiculous um but it you know i knew like oh they have good stuff and they you know it came really quickly it wasn't Mm -hmm. like it didn't take forever they already had everything figured out before they went to Kickstarter. Um, So I had no reservations about funding one of their projects again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't got Catacombs yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to it, Um, mainly because one of the miniatures is a Maine Coon, which is what we have. So um, I'm really excited to paint those. Uh, But, you know, that's a good, you know, you do get value. There are things, especially with stretch goals. If they have cool stretch goals and things that make it worthwhile, you know, it's a solid investment then. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, though, to be look out for is sometimes in Canada and Australia, the cost exchange will not be in your favor. Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes Especially you will. Australia. Yeah. Sometimes when you back something, the costing to ship that game to you is going to cost almost as much as the Kickstarter itself did. I've definitely heard some horror stories about that. Um, I do know at least for Australia, there is usually a like badge that you will see on the Kickstarter that will tell you if it's um, friendly towards Australians taxes and shipping and things like that. Um, So that's something to look out for if you are in those countries that um, you might not be getting the same value as some of us in the U.S. or other countries might. Because right, I can I can imagine I'd be very upset if I suddenly realized, right. oh, there's a hidden surcharge to this. Exactly. You know? Yeah, for sure. So definitely look out for that. Um, you know, all in all, I think we're only going to see more games going to Kickstarter. I think it is a great way for small independent companies to get their big idea out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you just you have to be just as 
you just you have to be as savvy in how you choose what you're going to spend your money on with Kickstarter as you would be if you were going down the aisles of Target. Yeah. You know, you just you have to don't impulse buy, think about it. It's it is hard not to impulse buy on something like Kickstarter because there is that sort of time limit, right? <laughs> um so, you know, that is something to think about. So, you know, also if you want it by Christmas, Probably not going to happen if you do it right now. (laughs) But speaking of Christmas, let's get on to our dice roll and talk about what games we hope are under our tree. Dear Santa, (laughs) all I want for Christmas is a bunch of stuff. It's more board games. (laughs) First of all, I would like, I imagine I'm writing this with a Big crayon. Uh-huh. I would like pandemic rapid response. More pandemic, huh? No, but it's different. Okay. Pandemic rapid response is because we liked having the change up for pandemic mm-hmm. with the legacy version. We did. You know, yeah. Like that was a cool change up. This one is even more different because you are on a plane mm-hmm. that is circumnavigating the world filled with your team and you're trying to set up the delivery of the medicine uh-huh you know so and it's and it's a dice rolling placement game you know so you roll the dice like oh i gotta put these greens over here and those blues over there uh-huh. and all of that you know so and then things can go wrong and you have to have people go to different sections to do this and that so it's a cooperative thing it's much quicker i think the board itself uh-huh. says 20 minutes for gameplay oh, wow. but as we know times that by two true but you know it's under an hour mm-hmm. of a typical game and you know, we don't have that many dice rolling games in our personal library. True. So I want, like, some variety, some expansion. Mm-hmm. Plus, it allows us to, like, have a different view of the pandemic. Because in the regular pandemic, it's like, cure is done. You guys go take care of that. I'm going to go have a break. Yeah. I made the cure. Now you go figure out how to get it to everybody. <laughs> like, the world yeah. can be falling apart, but as long as you get the cure, hey. Uh-huh. You know? But yeah. now it's like, okay, now let's see the, the people who actually have to deal with that nonsense afterwards, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I do like how pandemic keeps sort of reinventing itself a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, there's even a pandemic, I believe it's called, like, Iberian or something, yeah. where it's like almost like um, ancient Rome mm-hmm. pandemic, which is kind of a cool idea. They have like um, a Cthulhu one, I think. Yeah, exactly. So it is. It's cool that pandemic has like different versions. Also, I do understand like the idea of wanting like a pandemic that can be played has like that same similar feel, but can be played in a shorter time span. I yeah. mean, that's we have a couple now of those um, ticket to rides that are the quick ticket to rides where mm-hmm. you're getting that same enjoyment of playing ticket to ride, but in a much faster, a smaller spurt, yeah. segment. Yeah. Which is nice for like a filler thing um, or, you know, kind of introducing someone to something. Right. Um, I too have a dice rolling game um, that, well, not so much rolling, but um, definitely dice pulling and placement. Um, This is a game that I've wanted for a while. We were a little late to the party, but that is Sagrada. Oh yeah, yeah, the stained glass window one. Yeah, Sagrada is you're trying to build um, stained glass um, using dice and it's all about placing the dice trying to think about, okay, what would be the most advantage place to put these dice in order to make certain combinations and get certain points. Um, We played this at um, Dice Tower um, convention, and I really liked it. Once again, we were late to the party. It had been around for a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought it was really fun. I thought it was definitely one that I could kind of introduce to some of my family members who don't like 
some of the really in-depth games right. that we um, like. And I've actually been to the church that it was named after. So have. I, I have. I've been to Sagrada Familia. Should we so, bring the board game to the church and considering play, play it's, one inside? Yeah, considering it's in Barcelona, I would love to. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have the money for tickets to Barcelona at the moment. But, we'll um, but yeah. Um, so that, that's definitely a game that it's been on my list for a while now. And so I would like to see it under my Christmas right. tree. Speaking of missing the boat on a few things, uh, my other one is one that's been out for a little while, but I would like to get a copy of the legendary games for deck building because mm. they have ones for Marvel or aliens or even like Marvel villains, stuff like that. You know, they, there's kind of multiple different themes you can do and I don't really care what uh-huh. theme, but I like the idea of deck building because the only deck building yeah. we have right now is Clank and Clank's fun. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. Well, and also, um, our, well, we don't have it, but our friends do the Harry Potter Battle of Hogwarts. Right. And so we've yeah. kind of learned, oh, we like this. Yeah, we system. do. I really like card building you know so why not get something that's a bit um more towards that genre Mm -hmm. and would probably be a little bit different how the actual mechanics work as well you know so i mean everybody likes marvel so i'd be fine with that but to tell the truth i kind of like the idea of the aliens one with Mm. you know like the sigourney weaver Uh movie aliens with those guys um i I just wonder like how deep and like involved that gets you know (laughs) plus i like it when like things that aren't like super duper popular uh-huh. you gotta turn it back you True. know because everybody has a marvel game for you know yeah whatever, you know? and it, it is always fun too when there's um something that you really loved mm-hmm. you know like oh, I, I, I used to love those movies yeah like i know f- i i haven't seen how great it is but i know that they made a board game from um the tv show warehouse 13 mm-hmm. and i loved that show and i didn't really know that other people loved that show as well right. so it was kind of funny when i saw that oh there's a board game around this niche thing that i like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so mine is one that you're probably going to be like what this is another game actually that we played at dice tower and then i forgot about for a Uh long time and i only recently was like what was that one game that we played um and it is called dice town what (laughs) and it was um a dice kind of rolling game where you're trying to kind of get um sets almost like you're playing yahtzee or something it's more like poker but yeah yeah or pork or poker and you're trying to it's kind of like old west themed and you're trying to mm-hmm. get these sets and it's allowing you to kind of go certain places and collect certain things um really kind of easy to teach easy to learn right small doesn't take up a lot of time um, I just really enjoyed when we played it there. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time, I see, I seem to remember I looked to see um, if, you know, if it was still available. And it's one of those I think only recently they've done a reprinting of. Mm. Um, so it is a little bit easier to find now. I think at the time it was like in between reprints. So it was really so hard to like find. Yeah. yeah, and it was really expensive if you did want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I definitely think that like that's a game that I'm going to be keeping my eye out for and would like to see more of. Right. My last pick for this uh, particular dice roll, I think some games, just like some movies or books, mm-hmm. are like some of the best ones or ones that you really only need to go to once. And so one I would like is another expansion for time stories. Yeah. Because time stories, I think, is a great mechanic. You know. Yeah. Really. I love the overall narrative mm-hmm. and like what they're about. And, you know, it comes with the core set of the uh, Asylum one, but you can buy expansions that are new stories. Mm-hmm. We have one uh, that we've played, that Prophecy of Dragons, another one under the mask that's like ancient Egyptian. That Which we haven't, we haven't played yet. But, but we will soon, we hopefully. Will. Uh, but I, I love it to death. And I would like, 
any of the other expansions that we don't have, mm-hmm. you know, because also it gives artists a chance to try to, you know, their hand, because it's always a different artist yeah. for all of them. And also what's cool is that they have a core set of components and then each time a new artist or a new game designer can do whatever they want with that mm-hmm. within that rules of yeah. here's how the board looks and yeah. the cards that it, come with it. Like if you if you use some of the little these little tokens, what they are in one version of the game and what they are in like the next is it completely, is different, completely yeah. different. It's the same little cardboard things, but in one it represents kind of your health. In the other one it represents your money or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's kind of a neat like way that it's always using what is already there. Essentially, you're just getting new cards essentially to go with it. Yeah, so I, I love it. And I would love to get another one or two. Mm-hmm. So that way we can keep playing and having those great stories to share. Yeah, and we've said um, before, I think, on this podcast that, you know, obviously you if you listen to us, you know we love escape rooms. And there's lots of escape room in the box type games. Yeah. But none of them have given me the same satisfaction of an escape room as Time Stories has. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not marketed as an escape room in a box, but that's it, it does give you that same sense. And there's a lot of similarities to playing that game. It does, and it's amazing, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I, I love Time Stories. Um, my last one, and this is going to be probably not super surprising to you, Greg, is um, a game by our beloved Plaid Hat Games, who've made a lot of great games like our beloved Stuff Fables. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is called Aftermath. Oh, actually, that is a bit of a surprise to it's, me. Yeah, it's brand new. It just came out. In fact, I think it, they just released it this um, November. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar in a way to um, Time Stories, where it is a book Mm-hmm. game board that you're playing through um these kind of scenarios um almost rpg type scenarios right. um very similar to their famous mice and mystics in that you are playing as rodents who have survived a catastrophe there are no more humans left and you are doing this post-apocalyptic um adventure with little rodents who have little goggles and guns and you know have survived I mean, to the I was looking to get Mice and Mystics eventually but that sounds better. Yeah, and I mean the like it's the miniatures are super cute. You get a big set of them. There's, you know, I'm sure both environmental things that you're kind of mm-hmm. dealing with as well as those mangy cats. Um, probably literally uh, at this point yeah and just you know i loved painting the miniatures you know i always wanted my simistics because i wanted to paint the miniatures mm-hmm. um i love painting the miniatures for stuff fables these just like i every time i look at them i want to paint them i already you know know exactly how i would paint them and stuff so that's definitely one that um i would love to see under the christmas tree all right so now uh, that we have talked about what we would like to receive, we have a little gift for our listeners yep. in the form of two escape rooms. That's a double. Happy holidays, everyone. For our escape room report, we bring you not one, but two rooms. Yes, a little holiday special surprise. You all were very good gamers this year. Uh, yes. So we wanted to fill your stockings and... A little gift to you. Yeah. Um, so for this one, this is um, a location we've done... Um, well, actually, not this location, but this company. We've done prior episodes where we talked about this uh, company before. And that is 
Trapped, uh, a real-life escape adventure. And they have um, several locations. They have one in Upland, California, which we've done before. We really liked the rooms there. That was the one with the bunny um, from Alice in Wonderland. The one, yeah, with Down the Rabbit Hole. Um, we also, if you listen to back when we did um, Dice Tower West, we went out and did one of their rooms in Vegas. Was that the One Eyed Jack? I think One Eyed Jack, right. yeah, which was also a fun room. I still have the card souvenir from. That. Yeah, we do. Um, and so we wanted to go out. They have a, a, a relatively newer location in San Dimas, California, which is actually not that far from their Upland room. Um, it's like the city over, essentially. Um, and we decided to go out and do a room called Grandma's Surprise. Um, and then while we were out there, we ended up getting suckered into doing. <laughs> Their other room at the time. <laughs> well, you know, it w- we had a good time. And yeah. sometimes we said, you just want to roll that feeling over into the next room. Yeah, and um, this is another room where, like, first of all, the people who were running it were really cool. We were having fun talking to them and stuff. And it just happened, you know, they mentioned, oh, well, we do this special discount if you're here and you decide you want to do another room. And the only problem was they didn't have any times until later that day. Right. And it's kind of one of those, like, once you walk out, like you can't you feel and, like coming back and yeah. it was so much later that it was like well we don't have anything else to do down here even if we go to get lunch it still won't be time yeah. and so they kindly um squeezed us in between rooms because we got done with the first room like super quickly. fast so they're yeah. like i think we can squeeze it but we yeah. gotta go like now like, yeah cool, do it yeah and the room was ready thankfully so yeah. that was the other reason so that was really cool um and that other room was um operation x13 yeah but let's talk about grandma surprise first because that was the room we we came there to do okay let me just stop right now mm-hmm. grandma surprise is an amazing room it is if an you're amazing room. if you're able to do this room, if you're anywhere in Southern California or coming to Southern California to uh, San Dimas to do Grandma Surprise, I promise you right now, do not listen to this review. It is a fantastic room. The surprise is amazing. Yeah, and we'll try, you know, we always try not to be super spoiler. But like, honestly, go do this room first. I do not want to ruin the surprise. So <laughs> um, now is the end of the spoiler warning. Yeah. the Don't confuse this also with there's another room in LA called Grandma's Plan which is, I believe, a 60-out room. Oh, that's right. Don't confuse that. This is called Grandma's Surprise, With and trapped. it's at Trapped. Yeah. So I think our friends thought we were a little bit crazy when we suggested going to this room, just because when we told them the premise is that you're surprising your grandmother on her 100th birthday, and she has some kind of special surprise for you. I think our friends both thought we were a little bit... Why would you choose to go to a room like this? Yeah. Um, Sounds but, like the softest thing ever. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but really, and this is, it's a very family friendly room, but that doesn't hurt this room in any way. Mm -mm. Um, first of all, there's a lot of things to love about this room. One, I love their hint system. You particularly love their hint system. Oh, I had fun with the hint system. So the hint system is that, yeah, we're bringing a gift over to grandma for her birthday, but she's not there. Yeah. But we do know that we can talk to her through the TV. You can actually go and like grab the old clicker remote. Yeah. Not even like a digital, like the actual like has metal buttons and you can push one towards the TV that's like the big box with tubes in it, uh-huh. you know? and then like grandma can talk to you through the TV. Yeah, her voice comes through it. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and um, it's it's very similar in a way to their down the rabbit hole room. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to that episode, where it's essentially you're talking to the game master, but they are disguising their voice to sound like grandma. Right. Um, and so they will talk to you and tell you. In some cl- cases, they will give you some verbal 
not just hints, but like a nudge, a nudge, and you know, telling you not even a nudge, but what I want to say is, they there's certain times where you have to interact with her. Oh, in order yes, to get true. some the things. Ne- story wise, you have story to. Story wise, you have to interact check with in. her. Yeah, um, but that's also how they give clues as well. Um, but then what's the other thing that's really cool about this room is um, they have this neat thing there where they do kind of bonus puzzles in a way. I love that. But the bonus puzzles are actually, they're not so much bonus puzzles as they are if you are progressing through the room too quickly, which this is more of a family-friendly room, so that is possible for a group. You know, we were there with four. Mm -hmm. Um, The room goes up to seven, which is, I think, maybe a little too many. A weird number, too. Yeah, um, but it essentially, um, if you're getting through the room too, too quickly, grandma will call you on the te- television and say, oh, by the way, can you do this for me as well? And essentially there's these other puzzles that will kind of show up in the room and different drawers will suddenly open that wouldn't open before. And you'll find another puzzle in there to do. Yeah. And we, I think we got through all of them. I mm-hmm. think they, because we were going so fast they threw all of them at us. But um, it was really cool. It made it really fun. It was like, you know, you're going in one direction. You think you're almost out. And then suddenly grandma says, oh, by the way, can you get this for me? Or can you do this for me? And, and I had the best answer to those puzzles. Do you remember what they were? Oh. Because one, <laughs> one of them was, oh, grandpa forgot his favorite watch. Can you bring it? It's in a cigar box. Try to find out which one is his favorite. And like, there's a puzzle to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I just said... Let's bring him the whole box and let Grandpa figure it out. <laughs> and I, I told the game master at the end, like he's like, "Do you have Grandpa's favorite watch?" I said, "Here," and I gave him the box. And he goes, "Technically speaking, that's correct." Yeah. Like, um, and then of course, you know, we were doing that, and so a couple times, like some of them, two of us would break off and kind of work on that bonus puzzle or whatever. Right. And so at one point. Greg is just messing around in the room, calling Grandma to chat. Yeah, and which the game master said later that he was having a really hard time not laughing because Greg was asking him questions like, "What was the war like? Did you play with a stick and hoop?" <laughs> Tell me about how you met Grandpa. Yeah, was it romantic? You know? <laughs> and the guy, like he said, because it was a, it was a man with a beard, mm-hmm. and he he's trying to hello my dearie, you know, kind of <laughs> Grandma voice and. He said at one point he had to like put his hand over the mic and turn away and like stifle his <laughs> laughter because I asked him a question regarding the grandpa's favorite watch. Mm. I asked him a question relating to a gold watch from Pulp Fiction <laughs> and where it was kept during the war. I won't say it because it's a family friendly show, but those who've seen the movie know what I'm talking about. And at that point, grandma went silent for a couple of seconds <laughs> because I don't think she could believe what I was suggesting. And then at one point we were working on one of the puzzles and you, the two guys didn't really have anything to do. So Greg decided to sit down in the middle of the room and play with the blocks and make a tower. There were some blocks we gave us that were like part of a puzzle and we were done with that puzzle. So what happened was we were with our friends, Chris and Christiana. And so the girls were working on a puzzle that's one of the optional ones. Because we literally, all we had to do to finish the room was just go up and push the magic button. Yeah, that's where we were. We're done, right? So we're just trying to get this for extra, extra, extra credit. You wanted Uh that A triple plus. Yeah. And so my friend Chris and I were like, just kind of, look at this on the room. That's kind of cool. So I have these blocks. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to build a rocket ship. (laughs) So I built a little rocket ship out of the blocks. And then you turn around like, what are you doing? (laughs) And then when we, we finally did escape, it's one of those that like, 
it's not really about escaping per se. It's about finishing the task, right? right. And so when you're done, the game master comes back in the room and is mm-hmm. like, okay, you're done. But um, he walked back in and he walks up to this thing and he's like, what? <laughs> I was having a good time. Um, but it was a very fun room. It definitely has a very fun twist as to what is really going on with grandma. Yeah. Why she has um, the best cookies known to oh, man. Those recipes that she had were uh, very pretty interesting. out there. Yeah. Pretty out there. Because at first I was like, alt spice cinnamon, what is this? Like- <laughs> um, and the room has, well, it has, um, it's not just one room, it's several rooms. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's too much of a spoiler one to say. <laughs> but one of them is uh, hidden. One of them was hidden quite well. Yeah. And it's, it's always, it's one of those things that when a room is hidden that way, I always get very excited. Right. Because it's always kind of a fun thing to have mm-hmm. to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's a very clever room. Um, all of the puzzles fit the theme. Yeah. Um, and it's very, there's no, I don't think we had to, I think, Maybe we had to unlock one thing. Everything else is you're doing a series of actions and stuff. It's that will not pop something open. Yeah, then, yeah, it's not about unlocking. There's no keys. There's you know things right. like that. Um, so that's always nice as well. Like it's very innovative. Mm-hmm. And I think also they had a good way of integrating other puzzles and games into the system. Like at one point you had to play the crane game, like the claw machine kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, like, you know, like the prize machines, <laughs> yes. but like you had the claw and you had to go grab the thing mm-hmm. and pull it over. You had to do something like that, and that was pretty. The the way they integrated that in, I was like, That's yeah, genius. it was it was super smart and it was very and, clever and kind of fun too. And I'm fun, sure. yeah, fun and funny. Like this room's very tongue in cheek. It's very silly, mm-hmm. um, and like we said, it's very much it's family friendly and it's something that. You know, um, younger people might be able to do, but then they integrate these other more challenging puzzles to cater to those more experienced players or right. those players who are just, you know, doing really well in the room. And I remember the first time we came across that was with one that's right near us in Riverside where it's like the Pirate Slayer. Uh-huh. And in that, like, you're stuck in the Pirate Captain's quarters and you can get out or you can try to get the treasure too. Yeah. And, like, I like that of, like... You know, yeah, there's an optional objective to make you feel even more cool. Yeah, and there, there was another one. This room's no longer... Well, I shouldn't say that. They were bought out by another company. But per, before they were bought out, um, it was Countdown Escapes with Krampus oh, yeah. and a couple other rooms. They used to have bonus puzzles in their room as well. Finding the Santa Clauses, and, yeah. Yeah, and if you could do it, you actually got to open their prize box. And you which could win things. Cool. Yeah. yeah, which... And one of the things you could win was actually free, free rooms. Mm-hmm. So that was always really fun to be able to do that extra challenge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was, you know, super fun. Um, got us all very hyped up, so that's why we wanted to do their second room. Mm-hmm. And their second room is very different. So their second room is actually part of kind of like a series. Mm-hmm. Um, the we played that's a, a prequel to one of their other rooms that we've done before. Right. Um, and that is um, this Operation X thirteen. Um, because so the one we did before was that one like the virus or something. It's it's in a lab. Yeah, it's something. I don't remember what the other one's called. It's not called virus. Logo. But we we had a we had it on this episode or this. Uh, yeah, there there we definitely did an episode with it um, on one of our other trapped episodes. But this is one where like we're given tactical vests and we're like breaking into like this corporate office yeah. at night. And first of all, I had to applaud them because they had a bunch of James Bond villain names mm-hmm. on the placards. And I'm like, as a big fan, like, I know who Hugo Drax is yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, this one, it was funny because, um, so this one, you have kind of like this game master who's in character, who's kind of like a 
drill sergeant e figure who's like, come on team, you know, all that stuff. And we don't always respond very well as a group to that. No. We tend to get a little silly, especially after we had just been messing around with the other guy and doing silly things to him and teasing him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we were probably the, a, a more difficult group for her to rein in. Right. Um, so, you know, and not taking things very seriously. Um, I will say one of the, like, I did like, it was fun to put on the tactical vest. Yeah. And some of us had things in our pockets that we needed to use. I kind of wish we um, all had something. Like, yeah. We all should have had a flashlight of our own, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's my... Um, the only thing that was a little bit hard is you have, like, this little earpiece that's connected to your vest, which is very oh, yeah. on theme. It's very cool. Didn't work super well, especially for those of us with glasses, which is actually all of us, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it wouldn't sit flush with our ear. Our glasses kind of made it, you know, pop out a little bit. Um, so she was trying to communicate through that, and we were supposed to be able to communicate, I think, with each other through that. Could not hear. I couldn't hear anyone through it. Um, yeah, it yours was, didn't work. Mine worked, but yeah, it was it was just very difficult, and so that kind of sometimes threw us off a little bit because she would say things, and we were like, "What? Mm-hmm. What did she say?" You know. Um, so this room, I, I don't, it wasn't my favorite of all of theirs. No, but it was still interesting for what it was trying to do. Yeah. Like, you know, we're essentially doing like breaking it, breaking and entering. Yeah. Trying to steal these secret files from this corporate executive. First yeah. First to find a way to break into his office and hack his computer. Yeah. And, and we also, um, we also find out like that he's essentially like responsible for murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was a couple things that was a little bit weird. Oh, well, one, there's this computer that uses kind of like DOS programming, but it wasn't exactly DOS, I no. don't think. Um, and it was just, it was there, the way they had the instructions and what we were trying to do wasn't really clear. And it was kind of confusing, even those of us. And we all were alive to remember DOS. Yeah. Um, and we were ha- we were really struggling with it. Um, so that was, in fact, we ended up having to kind of use a clue to have her kind of walk us through it because all of us were just like, you know, what? what is this? Yeah. Um, so I can't imagine younger people being very good at that no. either. Um, so that was kind of, I don't know, that was a little bit of a rub. Like, I think there's a better way they maybe could do that or something. And there's a lot of like information they gave us in puzzles that I don't know how the answer fits with the information. Yeah. Like you're supposed to like call this number to get someone's password, but like it just it it wasn't making sense. And like, also like what was being given when to us, one like. person called, they said, "Oh, you have to tell me this," and we didn't know what it was, so we couldn't give it to him. And then another person called, and they just gave it to him. Yeah. So that was a little bit confusing. I'm like, why? Um, they do do they do the same thing in this one where they have extra puzzles to kind of slow you down if you're getting through the room too fast. Right. The problem is in Grandma Surprise. Um, that one, it was very clear when we were getting those extra puzzles. Yeah. This one, it really wasn't clear what was an extra puzzle and what was just part of the room. Right. I so wasn't that sure, was like... really confusing. Because like at one part, we were like almost done, and then it didn't work. And we were like, why doesn't it work? And then it was like they that was when they added like the extra thing. And so that yeah. was kind of confusing. One of them was just sort of a time waste where we had to wait while security goes by that was dumb where okay so all of a sudden she gets on the radio and goes security's coming hide and hide somewhere hide under a desk or something yeah and essentially all they do is like they close the doors that you've already unlocked uh-huh. and then you just have to wait a minute for her to like unlock it again it's like, yeah dumb. so like just to kind of like make light of the situation while we're hiding on the desk and it's funny because like you can hear audio like in the room of like what sounds like two security guards Walking through well, the room, yeah. examining, you know, like you can hear the footsteps. So I'm on the desk and I go, 
Yeah, and also, like, really the only place to hide was a desk, yeah. kind of. There's and, no place to hide. And, like, she was kind of like, well, get behind the desk, get behind the desk or something. One of our friends has, had injured her knee and couldn't very easily get behind the desk. Yeah. So that was also a little bit difficult. And, like, what, yeah, what if you had someone elderly or someone who's, like, not in good shape to, like, get down like that? Yeah. You know, like... It kind of seemed weird to force them into a position they may not be physically comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was just weird. And it just, it was kind of like, why? Like, this just seems like a time suck. Because, so, that was just a little awkward. Um, this room is also kind of one of their newer rooms, mm-hmm. I think. So, maybe there's still some kinks that they have to work out. I, I, I think so. Um, one of the things that was kind of cool, though, was at one point when you're in kind of like the security room. Mm-hmm. Um, on one of the monitors, you can actually see a video feed of the other room. Right. Um, um, granted, it's a video feed of like an actor going through the motions of working in a lab. I think it would have been kind of fun had it instead actually been showing us what's going on in that room. Granted, it could have been, you know, the puzzle master putting the room back together. So I, I get why they don't do that. It just would have been kind of funny to like actually be able to see what's going on. No, in that it, it room. did. Because at one point I was able to look at that camera and see you and our friends working in that room. No, no, no. The one that's showing the other. Oh, you mean the other room? The other room. The, that's the sequel that's part. Room. Yeah, the sequel room. Yeah. That's okay. what I said. It's it's just showing you essentially a video of like an actor pretending to be well, a right. If scientist. we could see like other people going through that through room. that room, that would have been funny, I think. But Even I Even if it's just like a recording of like True. some group going through that room. Yeah. Like how, how do we, we know? know that's, yeah. Yeah. I just thought that would have been funny. Um, to be able to see that. And we just, the only reason we recognize it is because we've gone through that room. So we were like, oh, look. But at the same time, spoilers for the room then? I guess, maybe. Like you see some guy like, oh, so you use a magnet there. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a decent room. There's nothing wrong with it. I do think the the whole, their, their whole idea of at adding bonus puzzles, which I like, it's a little weird in this room just because I couldn't tell when they were doing that and when it was part of the room. And right. it made it confusing because you're like, but wait, we did everything we were supposed to do. Why isn't it working? And it was because they were adding a bonus puzzle. So it was just kind of like, wait, what? You know? I agree. It was not as well executed. Yeah, it was more confusing. Um, but Grandma's, I mean, it's not that it's not a decent room. But I would say of these two, Grandma's Surprise is the definite yeah. uh, highlight. I would say for sure do Grandma's Surprise. Mm-hmm. If they offer you the discounted code to then roll over into Operation X-13 and you have the time and money, yeah, do it. It's a fun enough room to yeah. enjoy with. You know? And I believe they do. I think they said they have a third room coming um, sometime in, maybe in the next year at okay. this location. So that's that's something to look forward to. Um, the other thing about Trapped that we found out while we were there is they da- now do um, a punch card system. Yeah. And they will take into consideration if you have done their rooms in the past. So They'll they just ask actually... you like one unique question about the room like, you know, what? tell me something about the room that like... You wouldn't know. If you yeah, and, or they can they can also look up. Um, they were able to look up all of our bookings. The only one they couldn't look up was um, the Vegas one because I think they use a different yeah. system. Um, so he just asked us a question about it, and, and we, we told and him. I was like, "You use a Tonka truck," and he goes, "Cool." Yeah, like, you know. Um, but yeah, so um, what that punch card does is one after so many punches, um, you get a free T-shirt, which we all ended up getting our free T-shirt that day. Right. And once you've pretty much filled it, I believe you get a free room. Um, per well, a free. I think it's a uh, one person gets a free spot or something. Yeah. I don't think you get a free entire room. Yeah. Um, but so that's really cool. Um, that's something that if you've done their rooms before, that's maybe a little bit more incentive to go and um, do these. Do it again and bring someone. Who yeah, hasn't done exactly. It. Or you know, like I said, it's more incentive to like 
if you want to go to these rooms, like that's a nice little extra value that they have. But it's also if maybe you didn't get all the extra credit done in one of these mm-hmm. two rooms, hey, here's the reason why I can now go back and because yeah. I had this punch card full so I can go back and try it again. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I, I will have to say um, we the, one of the reasons that we did this room actually is um, we got grandma surprise for free because I won a contest. Oh, that's right. You did. Um, but it is, was not like comp to us. So that does not at all. We're not giving them a good review because it was a free room. That was no, just we a, won a contest. I won. I won an Instagram contest. That that was all. So, um, but that's the other thing. Good reason why you should follow some of these escape rooms on um, social media is because um, they do do giveaways. They will talk about um, different discounts and stuff they got. We've been really lucky um, having won some free rooms, which really helps out. Yeah. Um, because rooms get expensive and the prices have been going up at least here. So mm-hmm. it's helpful to get those discount codes or, you know, I believe a couple episodes ago we talked about a room that they had a slow day. So they posted a code where you could get so much off and we just yeah, happened to like, see hey, it. So you guys want to come down for cheap? You know, yeah. it's like, sure, we want to come down with you. <laughs> so those are things to um, keep an eye out for. Um, but as always, you know, we, we've really enjoyed all of the trapped rooms, so we highly recommend trapped. This is the San Dimas location. So that was obviously another um, successful two escapes and kind of a surprise for our listeners as well as I think we're probably going to be releasing a little standalone escape room report mm-hmm. um, as a little bonus gift sometime this month. So be on the lookout for that. And now it's time to talk about our Friday favorites. Right. Well, my Friday favorite, um, because as we all have talked about before, we do a rotational system for our games and uh this this friday is actually my turn mm-hmm. you know so hey 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 my friday <laughs> favorite's coming true and so what we will be playing because i've been wanting to play we this will be playing guys oh, trust me like it's happening guys <laughs> like you know we're doing this you know what? <laughs> what we will be playing is an rpg that i discovered a while ago that once again was a kickstarter mm-hmm and uh, I am so excited to finally play Capers. Ah, yes. Which is a 1930s-based superhero game mm-hmm. where you kind of have, like, one power, maybe two, but you're not, like, super powerful either. It's Kind of think of it like X-Men, uh-huh. but, like, in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them kind of era, uh-huh. you know? And so, like, this prohibition going on, you know, and all that. They actually do have later versions that are supposed to be set, like, the 50s and 60s. But I like the 20s and 30s, you know. Uh-huh. I have the story already laid out. I've got the character sheets written up. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about it is, I think I've mentioned it before, but you don't roll dice. You have a deck of cards. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting and concept. I mean, a regular 52 deck of cards. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm definitely eager to see, because you explained it to me, and mm-hmm. I, I totally get it. I think it's really cool, and I'm eager to see, like, it played out. Like, right. I, I want to see how our friends, like, doing it, how it works in real gameplay. Because it's it incorporates the deck of cards as well as a push-your-luck mechanic, mm-hmm. where if you have a skill, and also, I should say, the numbers are very simplified. No number goes higher than five. Which is good for people of, who like, don't stats. count very well, like yeah. myself. You know, so, like, <laughs> If you have a number that's like three mm-hmm. for your stat, for like lock picking, let's just say, right? And you pull a card and like I tell you, you have to hit a nine or higher for what you're pulling, right? And you pull an eight. 
well, that's not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. So then you have to go again. So you get to pull neck- another card. And then you hit, like, a king, which is obviously high enough, but they also have suits, right? And if you pull a bad suit, I forget what they are right now. Let's just say it's clubs, right? Uh-huh. If you pull a clubs, yes, you do succeed because you get the king, but because you get the bad suit, something bad will happen. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you picked the lock, but it also set off the alarm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So technically, yes, you are in the door. Mission accomplished. But <laughs> you also now have the cops coming, you know? Yeah. So you can choose to accept that partial win or you can throw that away and draw one more time which is a gamble you might not get what you because you could still just fail you can fail spectacularly you could succeed you don't know so it's do i want to accept what's given or do i want to roll to turn a phrase roll that dice yeah (laughs) but you're drawing cards right do i want to draw (laughs) one more card and take the chance you know that this is going to happen for me well or not Mm -hmm. and i i'm looking forward to finally giving that a go um, I think my Friday favorite is going to be a game that we haven't played too much recently, um, and that is Evolution. That's a good one, yeah. Um, the reason that I'm thinking of that game particularly right now, even though we haven't played it in a while, is I just happened when I was look- doing the research for this episode and looking at Kickstarter games, I did was reminded of the fact that they recently kickstarted um, a new version of Evolution, oh. which is Oceans. And oh, yeah, it's the same concept, that. but with ocean creatures. And I think that's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. I really like Evolution. It's a fun game. I think the artwork's really pretty. And this yeah. one, it's it's the same art style. Mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting in how they have animals that mm-hmm. are not real animals, but you can totally believe that they would be a real thing. Yeah, they, they're very... Um, like kind of hybrid Yeah, exactly. They they look like they could be a thing, kind of. But mm-hmm. yeah, I do like that, that they, they aren't using necessarily normal animals. Right. Um, but yeah, so I'm, that's something that like that game, it, the new oceans one was like, oh yeah, I remember how much we like evolution. So that's mm-hmm. got me thinking about it again. Um, so that's what my Friday favorite is. And remember, if you're going to play evolution, don't go carnivore too early. <laughs> Greg does that every time. <laughs> Do not go carnivore early. You Cause you will, will have get nothing to eat. <laughs> and you will eat yourself. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> it happens. A circle of life. Yeah. Like a snake eating its own tail. <laughs> Well, I think that is it for our holiday episode. Music for this episode was provided by bensound.com. As always, you can find us uh, anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So come talk games with us. Happy holidays and goodbye.